persons you're listening to, no names, all game. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game, another season of No Names All Game. This is season five. I am your host, Chris Hankin, joined as always by my co-host, Pat Colicchio. Pat, we've been doing this for five years now. Uh, some, some might say we are seasoned veterans in the podcast game, but it's been a while since you and I have been on here together. How you been, man? Good. I mean, some might say that we're seasoned veterans. I would not, but some might. No. No, some some are saying we are not saying. Some are saying. Let's let's be clear there. Yeah, uh, but dude, I'm good. I'm excited for football season. I just ordered some uh, some home field Penn State gear. You know, help Love us it. break that record. Love it. Can't wait to get into it. Hell yeah, man. Um, I was just looking at uh, some of the last episodes we did, and I started counting the episodes. This is actually a special episode for us. Do you know what this episode is? It's not a hundred, is it? This is the one hundredth episode. <sighs> Of no names, all game. Woo! Wow! Hey, give it up, give it up for all, all the people on the production staff, the stats and info department, all the all the interns that we've had over the years. Yeah. Um, That's Chris giving up for himself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say you and I, but I'll take it. Um, yeah, it's 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 this is episode 100, so we are excited to be back. Um, obviously, coming off a uh, a pretty disappointing 2021, uh, finishing seven and five. A loss to Arkansas in the Outback Bowl. Um, we come into this season not ranked in the top 25 of the AP or the coaches poll, I believe, for the first time in six years. Uh, I think 2016, 2016 was the last time, which was a magical year. Um, but if Started you look at it, Rocky, though. it did, it did, it did. Um, if you look at it, though, we are uh, fourth in the receiving votes category. So basically tells you they have us at like 29 or so. Um how do you Couple feel of key about losses. being unranked? I, I'm okay with it. Like, we're coming off of two really mediocre years. Like, I don't think we deserve to be ranked, honestly. Yeah, I, I think you're – listen, I love this team. I think you're delusional if you believe Penn State deserves to be a ranked football team. We, we two, Not even mediocre. We are two straight bad seasons. We've been a bad football team for two years. We're 500 over the past two years. Now, say what you will about pandemic – Say what you will about the talent we're putting on the field. I do. I think we're going to finish ranked. Yes, I think we're going to be finish a top fifteen team. But in no universe does Penn State football deserve to be a preseason ranked team. Completely agree. Preseason if, rankings if, are not a prediction of where you're going to finish. No, They're a status of like what you were last season and what you're bringing back. Yeah, and I mean we've we've kind of said that I think preseason polls in general are dumb because they're meaningless. It dictates, but it does dictate so much of the season because if you start in a spot that's way too high and you, you know, struggle a little bit, you get fucked. If you start way too low and you make a couple of good wins, then that could actually propel you. So, like, I don't think we're in a bad spot. I think it tends to even out throughout the the season. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think think if if we had come in at, like, 22, 21, I'd be like, all right, sure. But I'm not shocked that we're not ranked. No. I, I, I would have been shocked if we were ranked. Yeah. You don't play two years of 500 football, bring back essentially the same exact team minus several key players. And then like the coaches and the associate press go, well, I think it's really here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, you mentioned key losses, obviously no, the biggest like, one, the, the biggest loss, biggest, biggest loss, John, John Dodson. Dodson. Uh, hang on. Our internet is, is falling here. Um, you still got me? I've still got you. Yeah. 
Okay, it just said my internet was unstable. So hopefully we're okay. Um, anyway, um, biggest loss, obviously, Jahan Dotson, uh, number one receiver, goes in the first round to the Washington Commanders. Uh, we lose Noah Kane, a uh, running back who is very involved, uh, transfers. Um, those are really the biggest losses in the offense uh, that I can Rashid think of. Walker. We are, Rashid Walker, fair, fair, left tackle. Um, I forgot about him. Uh, note, I probably should have said this in the beginning. I'm a little rusty. This is an offensive preview episode. Yes. Uh, we'll get into the there defense are other next losses, week. Yes, there are many, that. many other losses. We are focusing on the offense this episode. We'll get into defense next week. Uh, but yeah, Jahan Dotson, Rashid Walker, Noah Kane, um, biggest losses. And, and, you know, obviously that's some production to replace. Um, you know, those are some key positions, some serious production. Um, so we'll get into, uh, we'll get into each, each position group here in a minute, but how are you feeling in general about, about this team, not even just the offense, but in this team, you know, you said you think we'll end up ranked top 15 or so where, what are your hopes, expectations generalized for heading into 2022? So, I mean, I feel the same way about this offense as I do about the team in general. Cause I, to me, the team is going to go as the offense goes. Uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think it should be much better than last season. The talent to be better than last season is there, but there's a lot of question marks and there's, you know, pretty much other than, I don't know, one player on unproven talent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's tough, man, because I, I, I was talking to my little brother the other day and he even asked me, he's like, Hey, what's, you know, what's the, what's the expectation? What are we, are we supposed to be good? Are we not, we're not ranked. Like what's it supposed to look like? And I was like, man, honestly, I don't know. Like I think so many Penn state fans have the, well, yeah, we should have eight, nine wins no matter what, like automatically, just because that's kind of where we've been historically, but there's not the last couple of years. Yeah. I, so listen, it's, I, there's to me, there's two ways to look at this team is, is it a, a ten and five last year that's been 500 for two years that returns, you know, essentially the same roster minus a few people, or is it a team that was a combined 12 points away from having 11 wins? Right. Right. Yeah. The, the opportunity has been there and we've had some really tough breaks. Um, but at the end of the day, you are what your record is. So, um, yeah, we, we lost four games by 12 points. Yeah. That's a little unusual unless you're like Nebraska, you know? Yeah. And, obviously, you and know, so I, you know, it, I think it, the answer lies somewhere in the middle of those two, but I, I lean towards the more optimistic one. I like it. I like it. I'm with you on that. Um, you know, I'm always optimistic. I'm always going to bet Penn state. I'm always going to bet the over. I'm going to assume we score 50 points every game, but in my realistic mind, I don't know. I, I, this is probably the most, uncertain I think I've been going into a, a season in a while just because I think there are so many question marks um but let's dive into it let's go you know we're going to break down position by position here um let's start with the quarterback because I think this is the one that you know probably has the most and least to say at the same time Sean Clifford entering his sixth year um is the incumbent he will be the starter um year two in Mike Yersich's offense um we have said a lot about Clifford over the, the last end of last year. We talked really ad nauseum on this topic, but, but for those that are maybe, you know, listening for the first time or haven't listened to us before, where's, where's your stance on uh, Mr. Sean Clifford? So like the, the question that was all over Twitter, Penn state Twitter for, I would say the Penn state win with Sean Clifford. And that was like, it was like all I saw. And this is a lot of still what I still see. And, 
I don't know how you come away with an answer other than yes, because it's already happened. The man's played one season with a returning offensive coordinator and a, a remotely competent run game. And we went to a New Year's Six Bowl and won. And to be quite honest with you, I don't know what quarterback, you know, I, there's this expectation among Penn State fans that we should be competing for a conference championship, a college football playoff berth every season. I, I go into every season with that hope. Don't get me wrong. But if you, you could tell me there might have been one quarterback in the entire country who competes for a conference championship with Penn State's offense last season. Maybe Bryce Young. You can't tell me anyone else. If you could tell me one other quarterback in the entire country who, who even comes close to winning a conference championship with the way Penn State's offense operated last season, I'd love to hear it. I'd maybe take C.J. Stroud, but I hear what you're saying. <laughs> he, did, he didn't win a conference championship with Ohio State's offense. All right, fine. You got me. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Um, but, but, you know, in my mind, you put him with us and everything is amazing. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe it's Bryce Young. Maybe, you know, the, the, the dreams of, of, uh, Caleb Williams once upon a time being the Penn state guy, who knows what would have happened if he ended up committing to us. I don't know. Um, I, I am with you. I, I am at the point where I am rooting for Sean Clifford to be the best quarterback he has ever been. Um, I have said many, many times I am ready for life after Cliff. Um, I've talked about how I think I, I've said this in, in conversations with friends and I'll say it here because I'm going to own up to it. Like him coming back for a sixth year is it's kind of selfish. It's, it's him saying, Hey, I want to keep playing. I'm not going to go to the NFL. I'm, I want to keep playing football and I'm not done to be done. I'm not ready to hang him up. If I was in a situation, yeah, I'd probably do the same thing. I'm not saying it's, it's selfish in a bad way, but it is him saying, I'm not ready to be done. I want to keep playing. You I think also. I, I think there's no way he's not the best option at quarterback this season, though. Fair, fair. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not campaigning for Veyu. I don't know if they would put Aller in there right away, but I. I just. I think it's fatigue, man. We've we've been through so much with him. We've been through so many ups, so many downs, and like, yeah, I would love to see the storybook ending where he comes into. Is this year two with your such or year three? This is year two, year right? Two. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, year two with your I would love to see him have his storybook ending, come in, play like we saw him play in the first four or five weeks of last season before he got hurt and win a conference championship. That would be fucking incredible. Um, I just like in an alternate universe wonder like, all right, like what does life look like? If one of the young kids is our quarterback, do we have, you know, this, this hope for something different, something, something potentially better. Like we, we've seen kind of what, you know, what Cliff gives us. Um, but I've, I've accepted that this is Cliff's final year. I'm going to root my ass for him. And I hope he plays the best football of his life. Yeah. I, but I don't think we've seen since his first year, a fair shot at what he gives us. I mean, in two seasons, we had a single, running back rush for 100 yards in a game i think one time during the 2020 season right yeah yeah once you know like and like don't get me wrong i think sean clifford and you know unless he vastly improves over this offseason i think he's a quarterback that has limitations i Mm -hmm. don't think you know he he's not a guy who i go hey if we want to win a national championship we need sean cliff but i think he is a more than competent college football quarterback. I think if you surround him with uh, adequate protection from an offensive line 
and a run game that has to at least be respected, he's going to win you a good amount of games. He's, he has a good chance of getting you double-digit wins in a season. That's what I think Sean Clifford is. I'd agree with that. Uh, and for the record, I have okay. already bet on Penn State to win the Big Ten and win the national championship. So, Sean, I am I am rooting for you, buddy. I, I am rooting for you to have the best season of your career right off into the sunset. I, I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. I think he knows that probably. Does does he go into the draft after a good year and hope hope to get a late round pick? Of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, try we to. All, try we to... all said Kenny Pickett wasn't an NFL quarterback like a year ago this time, too, though. So, yeah. You never know. I'm not saying yeah. he's going to be Kenny Pickett, but you never know. True. Very true. Um, so I'm rooting for Sean. Obviously, I don't want to, you know, beat this to death, but he is our quarterback. I don't expect Drew Aller to pop up midseason and be QB one by by midweek. Wow. I think I think I tweeted that at one point drunkenly last offseason. I was like, Drew by week five. Like yeah. Drew Aller not will not happen. see the field. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Uh, we don't have many Twitter questions this this week, uh, but we do have one from our friend CJ Scalzetti said over under three and a half touchdown passes thrown by Christian Bayou this season. Where do you think that lands? Ooh, and now I I do think you are gonna see. Um, like a more more of an effort to get Veyu on the field ever seen a backup get on the field just because of how last season went you know exactly. we saw what happened when you throw in a backup who's never played at Iowa it was a mess you can't have it happen again uh, I'll go over yeah yeah I think so too you look at the schedule um, like he should be in there I mean Purdue you I don't know what to make of Purdue. We'll do a whole breakdown of that week one but Ohio Central Michigan Northwestern I mean, you get Maryland Rutgers at the end of the season. Like there should be plenty of times where he's playing most of the second half of the game. Yeah. I would say, I, I would say at least, I would say at least three games. I would expect him to play being in the fourth quarter, the full fourth quarter. And hopefully some of the third, like that, that's how these teams should operate. When, when you have, when you're looking at your Alabamas, your Ohio States, like your Georgias, when they're playing their cupcakes in the beginning of the season, their backups are getting experience in the second half of those games. And I hope there's a concerted effort to get Bayou in there, um, whether they let him rip it or whether, or if they're just letting him, you know, run the ball, we'll see. But I, I think over three and a half is realistic. Yeah. But if you want to see Christian Bayou getting third quarter time, either something has to go terribly wrong or this has to be a much better team than last season. Correct. No, I don't, I don't want him in there for terribly wrong. I want him in there because we're up yeah. 30 points, you know? Exactly. Um, that was another thing. So that, that's really all I have on quarterback, but while we're talking about scoring points, I was, I was looking up some, uh, some stats as we talk about just this team as a whole. Um, last year we scored 25.3 points per game. That is the lowest since 2015. That's that bad. is, that's really bad. Even in 2020, the COVID year, we were at damn near 30, 2019, 36, 2018, 46, 2017, 41. 2016, our biggest year, our, our year that we won, only 37. But 25 points a game just isn't going to get it done. And that you have to remember, that's an average that includes teams like Villanova. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and I was going to say, and Rutgers, I think we scored exactly 28 points against Rutgers, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, we did. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there were almost no games where we scored. We scored 38 against Villanova. And I think that. 31 against Maryland. That's the only time we broke the 30 mark. Yeah. You're just, yeah. You're not going to be a successful college football team if you're not averaging roughly 30 points a game. Exactly. And I'd love to see us get back into that 35 Minimum. mark. Yeah. yeah. That 30, 35 plus mark is where you start to feel confident that, all right, 
I trust our defense to take care of us, but I don't have to worry about, you know, I don't have to worry about, can I hold them because I'm scoring enough? Like you want your offense to put you in a position that you can allow, you can allow the defense to do their job. You don't want your defense to have to have to stop every single time, like score points and we get to breathe a little bit. We had a historically good defense last season. Yeah. And we went seven and five. Because we scored 25 points. game. <laughs> yeah. You know, as great as defense is, I love defense. I love betting the under. I'm a huge yep. defense guy. And Georgia showed that you can win championships with defense. But it has to be like the greatest defense to ever exist. And you still have to score points. Yeah. That's like you have to. Yeah. You, you have, have to have NFL is... wide receivers and offensive linemen and running backs. Yes. We are in a world where football is points heavy, wide receivers heavy. We see more wide receivers get drafted in the first round of the NFL draft every single year. It's points, 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 points. So um, one of my hopes for this year, yeah, we were 25 last year. Let's get to about 35 or more this year. All right, that's quarterbacks. Where do you want to go next, Pat? The board is yours. Let's go RBs, baby. Hot topic. RBs. Very hot topic. Uh, so running back, returning is uh, Mr. Kevon Lee. Uh, Mr. Devin Ford and a couple of youngins because young uh, Noah Kane has transferred. He is at LSU. Kaziah Holmes has just put his name in the transfer portal, which honestly was a little shocking to me. Um, yeah. I, I think, I guess maybe he's seeing the writing on the walls. Maybe he's, he's seen how good these freshmen are and he wants somewhere else where he can play, but that one shocked me a little bit. Yeah. I mean, so this came shortly after like the first scrimmage of the, of the, uh, I guess you call it the summer season, like the mm-hmm. preseason. And from what I read, that he's been, he's had some injury problems. He's had, you mm-hmm. take your red shirt, your red shirt year. Um, you're already third or fourth in that room. And then two guys younger than you come in, get to see the field more than you because you're banged up and pass you by the, when, when it's not shocking, when you hear about it, when you hear the, that means you're not going to see any red shirts on Katron Allen or Nick Singleton. Now I think that's a guarantee at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so let's, let's start, let's start with the, with the returner. Uh, Kevon Lee comes back uh, last season, had 108 carries for 530 yards, uh, only two touchdowns though. Um, what are you expecting from Kevon Lee this year? Um, I believe he's going to start the year as the feature back in the backfield. Uh, I think Purdue game, probably first couple games of the season, he is going to be your number one running back. He's going to get the bulk of the carries. I do think they're going to, you know, try and shift it out, but I, I think you kind of know what you get with Kevon Lee. He's a solid runner. Um, he's fine in pass protection. You know, he's a guy you, you never have to worry about when he's out there on the field, but he doesn't have a lot of explosive capability. You know, those 20 plus yard runs, those long touchdowns that we saw for years with Saquon, Miles Sanders, and Journey Brown, just they're not his MO. He's a guy who I think at his best is a guy who's always going to get you at least four yards, always falls forward. If you need one yard, he's a guy who can get you. Yeah, I, 
I agree, but I, I think I I think I have so much more faith in Kevon Lee than than most of the fan base does. Um, I mean, this guy, like I said, 108 for 530. That's five yards of carry. He averaged five yards of carry for us. And you look at his his carries by game, he wasn't getting the ball a whole lot. The first six games, three carries, eight carries, two carries, seven carries, eight carries. It wasn't until the sixth game that he got double-digit carries. He got 10 against Iowa. And that's probably because we lost a quarterback and we had to run the ball more. Um, there wasn't – and after that, he goes back to seven carries, three carries, eight carries. Not until Michigan – he gets 20 carries. What does he do with it? 88 yards, four and a half yards a carry. Like if you give this man the ball and you let him get into a rhythm, you let him run, good things are going to happen. One of my biggest frustrations last season was he would have like an 11-yard run, a 14-yard run, a 16-yard run, and then you wouldn't see him again for a quarter and a half. Um, I don't know if that was just to like keep people fresh, to get the rotation going. I, I don't know what the reasoning was, but it felt to me like when you would let him get in a rhythm, he produced, and it felt like it was probably frustrating for him to not get that opportunity. I can see that. I, you know, I do like that yard carry. Um, I just think, like I said, the, the explosive capability, you have, and you have to remember, he was doing this against teams that were not stacking the box, that were not respecting the run, that were playing pass all the way. You know, he can yeah. have like five and five yards of carry is great. I would, I love to see that out of a running back, but you know, the, the way opposing defenses treated our offense tells you all you need to know it's yeah <laughs> like yeah no i, I can't five, argue that five yards of carry with no carries of 20 plus it d- doesn't get it done in modern day college football no it doesn't i just think he, i think he deserves a little bit more respect than he gets is my point that's fair that's um, fair i i think i'm i i often feel like i'm being too harsh on him when i when i think about his role in this offense yeah but also uh, you know to to kind of devil's advocate myself only two touchdowns on the year you know then that that kind of talks to your point about not having those breakaways right he he didn't have all those big runs that that give you the more touchdowns he had you know the he had a couple i think both were probably in the red zone um and we just we didn't feed him the ball in the red zone so um yeah, I, I'd like to see more from him. I, I think, and I think I tweeted this out sometime over the offseason. I'd like to see him be a legitimate RB1 for the first like five weeks of the season, at least. Then hopefully the young guys are coming on and they're, you know, forcing the hand they need to get more touches. Um, but I think right now it's Kevon Lee. I think it's his show. Noah Kane is gone. That's 106 carries gone. Um, and Devin Ford, we can talk about Devin Ford. He got 14 carries last year. Like, I don't, I don't expect him to be the guy that jumps in and takes Noah Kane's carries. I think that's going to end up going to the young guys. So I think this is Kevon Lee's show to run until the young guys, whether it be Singleton or Allen, I think it'll be Singleton, but whether until one of them like forces the hand that, Hey, I'm way too good and you need to play me more. I think we'll see a lot of Kevon Lee early on. Yeah, I agree. Um, what do you think about Devin Ford? Do you think we see more of him this year? Do you think this is a chance for him or has his story been written? No, I think you, there's no way you don't see him more 14 carries last season and, you know, half the backfield that was there last year, isn't this year. Um, again, I, I think he's going to be 
you know, be preseason and maybe even beginning of the season, he's going to be getting the reps as the number two back. Um, I think he offered, you know, I, it's hard to know a lot about Devin Ford because he got 14 carries last season, but I do like the way I think he offers a different skill set than Kevon Lee. I think he's faster. Um, Now, whether he can use that speed to be the guy who rips off the big runs, you know, who can hit the right hole at the right time and make explosive plays. That's what he's going to have to, if he wants to stay in this offense with, you know, a already number one back ahead of him and two young guns nipping at his heels off some big plays. He can't, he can't average five yards a carry on, you know, a one run for four yards and one run for six yards. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, I've always been a fan of Devin Ford. Um, I, I thought he was going to be the guy when he came in. I think it was him and Kevon Lee that were in the same. No, Kevon Lee was with Keziah Holmes. It was Devin Ford and Noah Kane that came in together. Um, and I always thought Devin Ford, like Noah Kane was getting a lot of hype. I thought Devin Ford was going to be the guy. Obviously it didn't work out, um, but it would be nice to see him get, get some, some utilization. Um, but like you said, we got these two young bucks who are getting pretty rave reviews uh, in camp. Nicholas Singleton, five-star running back, number one back in the country, uh, comes in with, I, I don't know, I don't know if like Saquon hype is the, the right word to say, but I think people are, people are almost expecting the second coming of Saquon. Well, I think he comes in with a lot more hype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that, you're right. That, you're right. I mean, I mean, yeah. I think people but yeah, are the hype to be him. the next Saquon. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Listen, he has much more hype. You can't Saquon expect is... anyone to be Saquon Barkley. Correct. <laughs> but <laughs> I think, I think people are, people are expecting he's five stars, number one guy. We got our next Saquon. Like he's going to come in. People are, people are, I mean, on Twitter, I, I, I mentioned like when I was talking about, I think Kevon should be the RB one for the first, you know, most of the season. And then, you know, if, if Singleton is as good as advertised, he'll be our RB two early on. Like, I had so many replies like he'll be RB one. He'll be, he'll take over by week two. Like, dude, if he's that good, great. I'm happy yeah. with that. It's um, really, it's really difficult to come in as a true freshman and start on a college football team week one. Now running back is probably the most doable position for that on offense, but it's really hard. Yeah. Especially things like I'm, I don't know where he's at with pass protection. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. like, if you can't pass block and I'm not saying he can't, I just right. don't know what his pass blocking skill set is. But if you can't pass block, that means you can't be out there every down. That means you can't be the feature running back of the offense, because right. if you're on the field, they know that the ball's going to you. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny. I was looking back at it. I was looking at uh, Saquon stats because I wanted to see, like, when did he actually break out? and When did he take over? It was really quick, man. Uh, week one, week one, he had one carry for one yard. Week two, he had 12 for 155. Week three, he had 21 for 195. We knew right away that this kid was special and was going to be the RB1. I don't expect that out of Nick Singleton. Yeah. Not because he he's pass? not capable. Akeel Lynch? Akeel Lynch, yep. Um, I don't expect big that. Fat, not, love to kill, but. Big, big fat, last person to wear number 22. Um not because I don't think Nicholas Singleton is capable. I think they're going to ease him in a little bit more. I think they're going to run Kivon, let him be the power back that will, you know, move the chains. And then I, my hope is by 
week three, week four, week five, we're seeing more and more and more of Singleton until the point where we're like, holy shit, this kid is the real deal. And maybe he takes over. Uh, if that's the case, I'd be very okay with it. I'm not rooting against him by any means. I just don't think we're going to see that week one, week two, like he's the guy. Yeah. And wasn't Saquon, did he redshirt? Uh, I don't think so. He was a true freshman. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but that's what I expect out of the running backs. I think Kevon is RB1. You'll see a little bit of Devin Ford, but I would be shocked if Nicholas Singleton is not RB2 pretty early on. We got one more guy to talk about. Katron Allen. Katron Allen. Yeah. Uh, came in also highly touted. He was a four-star. You know, it's 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 tough when... Hell of a stiff arm. It, yeah, very, very nice stiff arm. Uh, it's tough when you've got a guy like Singleton who is, again, five-star, number one in the country. Like, he's going to get all the shine. I am pumped that Katron is already making a name for himself in camp. Like, that's awesome. Like, that, you, that's just... That's that competitive fire that you know he came in being like, all right, I'm, I'm going to get mine too. Like, I'm going to show that I can play, I can play at this level and I can be a valuable part of this offense. So do we see all of them this year? I don't know, but possibilities there. Um, my, my hot take here is don't be shocked if the first depth chart comes out and Catron Allen is above Nick Singleton on that. Oh, um, yeah, that's interesting. Listen, I mean, obviously he's not as highly touted as Singleton because Nick Singleton was the number one running back in the class. But this is a guy who's also, like, quite the physical specimen. No, no shortage on talent here. And comes out of a much, like, more college-ready high school program coming from mm. IMG Academy. True, true. You know? Nick, Nick Singleton's coming from, I'm pretty sure, a public school in Pennsylvania. No disrespect to that, but, like, IMG Academy is essentially a football prep school. These yep. guys are running college offenses in high school. So he's, he's going to have a little bit of a leg up in just like understanding how this offense runs as a true freshman. That's a so think, big deal as true freshman coming in. You think maybe we see Kevon Lee, Devin Ford, Katron Allen, or Nick Singleton. See it like that. I could see. Yeah, I could see that. Absolutely. I could see that. I could see that. You know, you know, they love to use those oars. Oh, they love a good oar. <laughs> um, overall though, how do you feel about the running back room? It's been a tough, two years for running backs. Do you feel like we're going to have a better year? And obviously we'll get into the O-line in a minute here. Um, but just on the running back talent alone, are your, are your, is your stock up or down from where we were? Uh, ceiling way up floor the same. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's I'm a fair sorry, way to I'm say stock it. up overall because I think the potential is much, much higher. I agree because I think, I think if you get, uh, if you get Singleton or Allen that can be one of those home run hitters and explosive guys that can really change the pace from Kevon Lee, if either one of them emerge early on as a real threat, I think the combination of the two is just fantastic. So um, I'm with you. I think the ceiling is much, much higher. I don't know how, I don't know how the floor can get much worse to be honest. Exactly. Um, and also you're uh, returning the same feature back. Yeah. Who, yeah, and this you is, know, this most is what likely year three has, for him. Yeah, and most likely has had some improvement over the offseason. That's the thing yep. about college football. Most guys get better every year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So running backs, we're, uh, we're hopeful that, that we'll have some, some consistency, some explosiveness, and it'll make uh, life for Sean Clifford much easier. All right, moving on. Uh, you want to go pass catchers or O-line? What are you feeling? Um, you know what? Let's, let's save the one I'm most confident about for last. 
So let's so, go with the O line. Let's go to the O line. <laughs> I'd I, like to end on, on a happy, definite happy note. I for a second there, I thought you were going to shock me, saying, "Let's save the one I'm confident for." So let's talk no. about the pass catchers. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! All right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into our favorite position group: the one we love, the one we hate, the one we love to hate, the one we hate to love. Uh, it is the offensive line. Um, projected O-line, uh, everything I've seen coming out of camp, everything I've seen on projected uh, depth charts is left tackle, left tackle, Olufashanu, left guard, Landon Pengual, center, Juice Scruggs, right guard, either Sal Warmly or Hunter Nor- Norzad, Noraz, Norazad. I don't know how you say his name. Norzad. Norzad. And then right tackle, Caden uh, Wallace. How do you feel about this group? Um, listen, I have felt confidently about the offensive line coming to the season in the past, and I have been made a fool every single time. Um, but that being said, I feel all right about this. I feel pretty good <laughs> about a this glutton, line a glutton for punishment. Yes. Um, I feel very similarly to this group as I do to the running backs. I think it is, it's a major question mark. It's an area where we weren't good enough last season, but it's also an area where I think the ceiling is higher than last season. Fairly significantly so. Yeah. Um, I mean, every year, every year we say, this is the year the O-line is finally going to gel. And this is the reason why and this guy is going to be the difference. And I'm going to say this. I like each of these guys individually very, very much. <laughs> I like all of them individually. I think they're very talented. Yeah. I think there's a lot of potential. I am not going to say I'm optimistic for the offensive line as a whole until I see it. Um, Until we see a couple games in that there's clear protection, that there's, you know, gaps and holes for these running backs to hit. I just, I can't, like, I can't get super excited about. Yeah, I mean, there's Olaf Fashanu, a lot of people very high on him. He's the the type of left tackle that... um, I see very similar bud, buzz to Rashid Walker. Um, you know, and by no means was Rashid Walker a bad left tackle. He just wasn't what he, what people thought he would be. Um, yeah, he, he was supposed to take that next step and be a first rounder. And he kind of, I don't know if I want to say regressed, but disappointed. He, he was bit. never consistent enough. Yeah, um, exactly. I think Fashanu has, uh, you know, a, a similar floor with potential to be better than Rashid ever got. Um, I'm actually, I'm fairly confident about the interior offensive line this mm. year. Um, I think we've got more there than we had last year. Uh, you, there's not an, uh, and this is no slight to him, but you're not going to have an injured Mike Miranda as right. your starting guard. And I, he's a fine offensive lineman, but it's really hard to play hurt at any level of football college football is really, really difficult. Um, And I I think it was like a groin issue or like a lower body issue. It's really, really hard to be an offensive lineman with your lower body not working. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I mean, I think Landon Tangwall is a beast. Um, I've heard Hunter Norzad be referred to as like the steal of the transfer market. And, you know, all you need to know about Hunter Norzad is that Iowa was after him. If Iowa wants you on their offensive line, it means you're good. He's also, yeah, which is, I was a little shocked when I saw, like some people were saying Sal, Sal Wormley was uh, like the, the candidate for right guard. I was like, I thought this transfer was going to be plug and play. Like uh, it, it's well, great that there's competition. I, I, I kind of love hearing that because 
Of course. Certainly hurt. He was supposed to be the guy left. Hurt at the beginning of the season. So now even if he's not the starter, we already have one thing we didn't last season, which is depth at an offensive line position. It right. just didn't exist last season. Right. So I, I think, do I think this is going to be like an astounding offensive line group? No, but I think it has, I think it should be a better than average offensive line group. It should be a plus for this offense instead of a minus. It was last year. I am, I am hopeful that you're right. Again, I'm going to, I'm going to keep myself a little bit more reserved until I, I see mean, it. Well, let me ask you, Chris, if this group is not even a plus, it's just a neutral, a net neutral on the season. How does that make you feel? Oh, it's a significant improvement. It makes me yeah. feel better about life. Absolutely. Um, and I, and let's be, I mean, I'm playing it up a little bit right now. Of course, I'm cautiously optimistic. Of course, I'm excited. Of course, <laughs> I think they're going to be good this year. Damn it. But I'm just like, I don't want to get hurt again, man. I don't, oh, don't want to put it. myself out there and get hurt again. Um, I'm with you. But yeah, I think, I think Fashanu can be the real deal at left tackle. I think he can be what, you know, like you said, what, what we wanted Walker to, to evolve into. Uh, I'm a huge Drew Scruggs fan. I think he's going to be a phenomenal center. Uh, we saw Second flashes of Tangwell. Yep. We saw flashes of Tangwell and what he can do. Caden Wallace, another year in the program, can only get better. Um, I, I, again, individually, I, I see a lot, of, a lot of hope and a lot of optimism. I just hope it all gets put together on the field. Yeah. All right. The, the, the big thing that this group has to do that I think it didn't do last season was has to function well as a unit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, they, and that's they, I think what I mean. It needs to be that cohesion, that gel, that like you, you can't have, you know, one guy makes a mistake, one play, one guy makes a mistake, two plays later. Like there's, there's got to be a lot more consistency on this offensive line. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So this is me putting good vibes out to the football gods, the football universe. Please, dear football lords, bless this offensive line. All right, let's move on to the last group. Uh, pass catchers, we'll kind of loop our wide receivers and our tight ends here together. Obviously, the biggest loss year over year, like we mentioned at the top, is Jahan Dotson. Uh, the man was absolutely electric last year, uh, finished the season with 91 catches, I believe it was. Uh, 91 receptions for 1,182 yards and 12 touchdowns. That is a lot of production to replace. Um, that being said, there is a lot of potential on this offense. Let's start with the receivers. You've got Parker Washington uh, as pretty much the clear number one after a great year last season, 64 catches, 820 yards, and four touchdowns. Um, that is nothing to shake a stick at. 64 and 820. That's that's pretty close to the production we saw from Jahan. So that's pretty damn good. Those yards out of a number two receiver are everything you want. Um, everything. It like the the only thing that makes you nervous is the amount of touchdowns. Now right. that's because Jahan was who he was, and if you threw it anywhere near him, he was coming down with it. You know, you just you weren't gonna call the throw it in Parker Washington's zip code play when Jahan was in the offense. Right. I think you, you can do that with Parker Washington. Certainly saw it in that Outback Bowl. He, he can make the circus catch. He's oh, got yeah. the moves. He can run routes. Um, he's a guy I'm very confident about coming into the season. I, I think he, you know, does he have to be exactly what Jahan Dotson was last season? No, I don't think so. But I think he 
He's a guy who can certainly threaten for a thousand yards. Absolutely. I'd be, little, I'd be a little surprised if he didn't. If you're putting up 820 yards as the number two option when your number one is putting up almost 1,200, I, I'm expecting 1,000 yards out of Park Washington this year. Yeah. Um, I think he's that, that good. I think he's that those, talented. Double those touchdowns maybe. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a damn good wide receiver. Oh, absolutely. I, I think I think over 1,000 yards and somewhere 8 to 10 plus touchdowns, I'm very, very happy with that. Um after him returning, we'll get to uh, the transfer in a minute here, but returning, Keandre Lambert-Smith had 34 catches for 521 yards with three touchdowns. Pretty damn good for a number three. Again, getting getting 500-plus yards out of your number three wide receiver, that was pretty great. You know, you expect him to step up. He was one, he was one that was really hyped up coming out of uh, high school where Parker obviously took over immediately and everyone saw the potential that, that Parker had once he stepped on the field. Um, but Keandre Lambert-Smith was a very highly touted receiver coming out of high school. Yeah, I think the issue that some fans have with Keandre Lambert-Smith is there was some consistency problems, a, a drop here or there. Um Again, I, I think that's something he's going to have to work on. I expect him to be the number three wide receiver in this offense this season. Um, yep. I expect him to have a more productive season, though. I think it's going to be the ball's going to be more spread out this season than it was last. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Oddly, your number three guy again this year. Yeah, and I think I think that's not a bad spot for him to be, where he's he's the three guy but can put up two numbers. Um, like d- depending on the the script of the game and depending on the coverage that we're seeing, you know, from from some of the other guys. Um, yeah, occasionally I, I, catch a bomb. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's he had a long role. of he had a long of eighty three last year. He he yeah. can do it. That that that's um, his role, especially yeah. when you have Parker Washington who can get you ten plus catches a game. Uh, the guy who we're going to talk about next, we'll get. Let's, to that. let's get it. Let's get into him. Mitchell Tinsley. Mitchell Tinsley. Mitch, Mitch, I think he's going by. I don't know. We'll see what they call him on the depth chart. Uh, but Mitchell Tinsley. I yeah, think, so how many yards did he put up last? <laughs> uh, I actually don't have I don't have Mitch's uh, stats here. Mitchell Tinsley, Western like Kentucky. Yards. Yeah, he put up video game numbers. Uh, obviously was a hot transfer candidate. And he comes into this offense with, again, wide receiver one potential. Like, I think Parker will be one, but wouldn't shock me if they end up with very similar production uh, in both yards and touchdowns. I think I think Parker will end up probably being the leader in receptions uh, because I think the familiarity is there with him and Clifford. I think the trust is there. So I think he's going to be a go-to a little bit more. Um, but I think Tinsley can absolutely put up uh, the yards and the touchdowns that, uh, again, we're going to be missing. We have we have 91 catches uh almost 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns to replace from Jahan Dotson. Parker Washington can't do that all, right? Parker's going to get some of it. I think Tinsley is going to be an X factor of this offense. Yeah, and here, so granted he was, I believe, played in the, the WAC, right? Yep. Um, four, 87 receptions, 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns for a 16-yard average. Incredible. Insane. Now, obviously not against the Big Ten and being the number one wide receiver in a system. But like I, I don't need Mitchell Tinsley to put up 1,400 yards. I need him and Parker Washington to average like 1,100 and yeah. between them get like 20 touchdowns. Yes. Yes, that would be phenomenal. I mean, but Threat, between... Threaten for 20 touchdowns and both... I would say average 1,000 yards between them. And, and you have right there equaled the production, actually exceeded the production exceeded. of Parker Washington and Jah- Jahan Dotson. 
Yeah, I think if you look at if you look at uh, last year, Jahan Dotson, Parker Washington, and Keandre Lambert Smith is 19 touchdowns total between the three. If we're getting 20 out of our 20 top might have been two, a bit, a bit optimistic. No, let's say no, I, no. Let's 18, say 20. 16, yeah. Let's fuck. Let's fucking it's, say that's 20. reasonable. We just talked about how we need to score more points, right? We were at 25 last year. If we want to be at that 35, give me 20 touchdowns between these two guys. And then guess what? DeAndre Lambert-Smith gives you another five or six, maybe seven. Like, I mean, I mean, doesn't even, I mean, there's all, there's three other guys. So it doesn't have to be five, six or seven out of your your number three. But 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 yeah, I I, think I would, if, if our, if our top three receivers give you, 23 touchdowns i think you're in pretty good shape yes agreed i mean i would want a little bit more just because i'm i'm pushing for points um but yeah i I think seeing seeing parker washington and mitchell tinsley be like almost a one one a uh as opposed to a one two i would be really really happy with yeah absolutely um i i don't know if we're gonna it's gonna be like parker is your boundary and mitchell tinsley is your slot guy I don't know if it's going to be as set in stone as that, uh, partially because Parker played the slot last season, and I believe Mitchell Tinsley was a boundary at Western Kentucky. Um, Parker's, I think, is definitely faster, though, so you could see the transition out to boundary more. Honestly, I could see them switching. Just kind of whatever the situation calls for. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprising to me. I, I agree. Like we saw Jahan exceed Excel in both positions. Like I would love to see that versatility. Um, as far as wide receivers go, uh, Malik mega will likely be that fourth guy. We saw a little bit of flashes from him uh, in the bowl game. A lot of people want him as, as, as the three guy, you know, he's a physical freak. Yeah. He's, he's certainly has the, um, the tools, you know, whether he's going to progress past Keandre Lambert Smith during preseason, who knows? I wouldn't expect it, but it could happen. You know, things yeah. happen during a football season. He's definitely a guy you're happy with as your like backup three receiver. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, it's never a bad problem to have. We saw, you know, what he was able to do. He had that one. Was it the bowl game, right? He had the 67 yard catch, or was that in regular season? Um, he had a big one against Rutgers, I believe. Oh, maybe it was Rutgers then, maybe not the bowl game. Um, because he only has three catches total last year. Um yeah. but uh yeah, he's your he's your fourth. And then you know, there's a handful of other guys that can can step in and be the be the backups. Um, I tweeted out that I think Jaden Dotton can be that guy. That is purely based on my like of him. Like I liked him as a prospect. I liked I him like coming out of high school. Sounds like It does. It does. So I'm just rooting for him, but I also forgot about Harrison Wallace who has gotten some hype and who people seem to like. So I could be pretty wrong on that one. Um, Liam Clifford is on the team as a wide receiver. There, there's a handful of guys that, you know, every year you always, there's always one guy that late in the season, you know, pops out that you didn't know about last year was Malik mega this year. We'll, we'll see someone else, but I think the top, I think the top four are pretty solid in Parker Washington, Mitchell Tinsley, Keandre Lambert Smith and Malik mega. Yeah. Unexpected things happen during a football season. There's 12 games. Something's going to come up. A guy who gets limited reps is going to pop out of nowhere and make a big play. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Uh, so let's finish up here with our tight ends. Um, tight end is, is an interesting position for this team. You know, we've seen a lot of potential. Um, 
not as much production, but as I looked at the numbers, the production itself isn't that bad. It's just that it's spread out, so it doesn't seem the same. Yeah. The room produced fine. Yeah. There's no yeah. one guy. We're used to having Pat Fryermuth and Mike Gasicki who yeah. were monsters and stat monsters. Yes. I looked up some numbers and I was like, all right, on a good season, you know, Mike Gasicki was catching 50 balls. I was like, that's insane. Brenton Strange had 20. Theo Johnson had 19. Tyler Warren had five. That's 44. That's, yeah. that's damn near close. Um, so I think you've got those three guys, Strange, uh, Johnson, and Warren. How do you expect that room to play out this year? Um, I think Brenton Strange is going to be your tight end one heading into this season, preseason. Uh, he's, at, by the end of last season, was the best pass blocker. Um, I think Theo Johnson is like kind of your purest wide receiver, does not bring as much of the the blocking uh, skill set as the other two guys. Tyler Warren, athletic freak, did some cool things last season. They, you could tell they love him because they worked him in however they could. Yep. Um, and so, I again, I I think as a fan base, we overreacted to the, but what we do need from this room that we've had in the past is that dependable guy that whether it's one of them or all three of them, someone that you know you can go to in a situation is going to catch that ball that is going to get an extra yard or get a touch. You know, Pat Frymouth was a first down machine. It was get the ball to Pat or short of the Mike Kosicki was a touchdown machine, you know, throw it up there. He's going to grab it. We, we just, we didn't have that with the tight end room last year. There were a couple untimely drops, uh, not the big moments that we were used to in the tight end room and that you kind of need out of your tight end room. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. I don't have much to add. I, I would echo the same exact things as you said. I kind of hope we see one guy pull away and be the guy. Um, I don't really care if it's strange or if it's Johnson or how, if Warren shows up and he's somehow number one, I'm fine with that too. Um, but I'd like to see one guy be, Clifford security blanket, be the guy that we know we can go to um, and just dominate. Like the, the talent is there. It just needs to come through as, as the whole package. Yeah. Especially because I think that's what Sean Clifford needs personally is a guy like Pat Frymuth, who he feels like he can just throw it to and it's yep. going to work. Yep. hundred percent agree. Um, I think that's really all we have positions wise. Did we miss anyone? Yeah. No. All right. So let's wrap up with two things here. Give me your breakout player and your bold prediction for the offense. All right. Um, so for the past two seasons, I've had Theo Johnson as my breakout player. Yep. <laughs> I'm flipping the script and I'm going with Tyler Warren, baby. All right. Tyler Warren. All right. Make the freaks list. I you like they they want this kid on the field, whether it's as a tight end or like a weird run play. This, they want this kid seeing the field. And this last year was his first season, and they were still trying to get him in there. Tyler Warren's going to get more snaps this season. He's going to make the most of them. He is going to be your breakout player. I'm saying he gets at least five touchdowns this season. I love that. Love that. Tyler Warren, 44. Put it up there. I think he's number 44. That would be embarrassing if he's not. Um, I like that. Um, my breakout player. It's going to surprise you a little bit. I am going with center – Juice Scruggs. He wow. has shown, he has shown what he can do 
when healthy, he, you know, he had a, a really tough start to his career, was in a car accident, got through that, fought his way back, played guard, played center, showed some intensity, shown some of that mean streak that you love as an offensive lineman. What did I just say before? I'm not going to get excited about the O-line. This kid, this kid is going to be a leader on the offensive line. He is going to get that cohesion. He is going to get this line, this unit, where we need them to be. I, I don't know how you measure it. I don't know how I'll look back and say, yes, he broke out this year, quote unquote. But I just, I don't know, man. I got a feeling about this kid. I think I think good things are going to come from the center position. Juice Scruggs, my breakout player of the year. Let me tell you the boldest part about that prediction, Chris, is that if, if you're right, it means we're never going to talk about Juice Scruggs. Correct. I, I, hope, <laughs> I hope I'm never talking about him. I hope we're not talking about sacks. I hope we're, t- or maybe, maybe we're giving him like an honorable mention of like, hey, you know, Kevon Lee and Singleton. You'll, you'll see his butt circled in yellow occasionally yeah. on Saturday. And that's yeah, how you yeah. know <laughs> he's yeah. a breakout player. Yeah. I mean, I could obviously listen. I could go Mitchell Tinsley. He's going to come in. He's going to break out. I could go Nick Singleton. He's the yeah, running I love back. It. He's going to break out. I, I, I think I'm not going to get my hopes up, but I think if, if the offensive line is going to be a good unit, it starts with him. And I think the potential is there around him. So hopefully he's the guy we need in there. Love that. All right, let's finish up with a bold prediction. What do you got for a bold prediction for the offense? My bold prediction is for this offense to succeed, one of the freshman running backs has to be the feature back by the end of the season. Okay. I think our one of the biggest problems with this offense last year was that down the, down the stretch, especially in Big Ten play, defenses figured out all you had to do was pressure Sean Clifford and our offense would fold. They decided not to play the run at all, not to respect the run game at all, and we never made them pay for it. No explosive plays in the run game. No, no, no reason to take pressure off Sean Clifford. That's yep. what has to happen this year, is Sean Clifford needs more clean pockets and needs defenses on that field playing against the run. And the I think the two best guys with that skill set are our two true freshmen. I love it. I love it. It it's bold. I'll tell you that it's bold. But yeah. if if we're gonna succeed, one of them needs to be the next Saquon Barkley. No, I'm kidding. They just need to be. Dead. <laughs> I, I think it's bold that I'm just not saying Nick Singleton. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> it I'm is. Not it adding is. in his second freshman. That is bold because most people most people would just say he's the guy. So I think that's pretty bold. I'm very high on Katron Allen. I um I'm with you. I think you are you're gonna be the guy at the end of the season going, see, I told you, I told you. Um, all right, my bold prediction. And I don't know how bold this is, is this is gonna be, but I'm gonna go for it. I talked earlier about how we need to score more points. Last year we scored 25 points bold. a game. Yeah, well, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It's not bold. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> Listen, we need to score more points. We need to hold our opponents to less points. That's goddamn bold. Ooh. No. My bold prediction is that our third down percent rate is going to increase by 10 percentage points. Last year, we were at 39%. We are going to finish just under 50% third down conversion it is going to be a focal point for your and for franklin knowing that we need to keep drives alive knowing that we need to keep this offense on the field knowing that we need to score points so i think there's going to be a heavy focus on that our best 
third down conversion percentage uh, was 2017 and we were at 48% in the last like five or six years is how far back I look. And we're at 48%. That year we were scoring 41 points a game. Pretty damn good. I like it. You convert on third down, you're going to score a lot. Of I think that's bold. saying that we're going up by 10% is pretty bold. It's true. It's, it's very bold. I think that's, I don't, Love I don't it. know if we actually get the 39 to 40, 49%. You're converting 50% of your third downs. That's damn fucking good. Love that. Um, but that's what I'm going with bold. We will go up 10% on our third down conversions. I'll be praying for it. All right. <laughs> um, I think that's all we've got. We're running probably a little long here, but Hey guys, it's episode 100. We're back. It's season five. People are excited. We are by the time you're listening to this exactly two weeks away from kickoff, we open up on a Thursday night uh, at Purdue. Uh, we will have a defensive preview for you guys next weekend and then a preview of the Purdue game leading up into that week, uh, probably early Monday or Tuesday uh, that week. So people have time to listen. Pat, any uh, any final thoughts on this offense before we wrap up? I missed you guys. I'm excited to be back. Hell yeah. Points, 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 points. We are.